Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com What's the crack? Oh, sure, you know yourself now. Zero crack going on. You know, I'm knocked up in lockdown. How much crack do you expect, Emma? <laughs> Oh, you know the pressure I'm sure you know when you're the funny person as well in, in your friend group I don't say that with any like oh yeah I'm so funny um but just in the sense that you know comedians in general I think fall into this category where you know you were always the one under pressure to bring the crack oh yeah yeah <laughs> and just I'm now embracing this point in my life where I'm like no you bring the crack to me come on come on <laughs> So I've said it to you before, I've played this game completely wrong. I should have tried to go into the acting, obviously character actress. And then what would have happened is I would have rocked up the things and I would have been mildly amusing and people would have lost their shit. Yeah, because the bar is low when you're just an actress who happens to be funny. Yeah, it's like when people say Mark Ruffalo is gas and you're like, really? Because I think (laughs) Dave Chappelle would fall into that category. As you say, like a mildly amusing anecdote once when someone thought he was, yeah. I don't know, like a member of the Killers and Graham oh, yeah. Norton and the couch Michael are falling yeah. around. Yeah, Michael Bublé rocked up and was able to tell a story and people were like fucking losing their minds. No, but Michael Bublé is a body now. Did you see the video? <laughs> His wife would dig or something, did he? Oh, my God. I didn't see the video. What did he do? Really strange. Actually, listener, I will say if I know the lockdown days are pretty hectic, but if you do have a spare 30 seconds, I would really recommend watching the video because right. I I I did watch it. But initially I had read the comments and, you know, you think, oh, this is typical, like just obviously, you know, people love to jump on the bandwagon and basically say that somebody's totally fucked up here. Then I That's watched right. the video. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Really bad. I'll tell you why I thought it was bad, because do you know what it was? It was really strange. Now, I was kind of saying, was he pissed or what? Because it it was like he didn't know it was a visual medium. He's pissed. No, but it's not not in the sense that, oh, he was pissed. Okay, fair enough. We've all had a piss with our partner on Camden Street at four o'clock in the morning. Let's be honest. Come on. Come on, and I'll take. But no, what I mean is, I don't know, was he pissed or what? Because... It was obviously a visual medium, 
But it was like yeah. he actually had forgotten that people were watching. <laughs> he just thought that this was an audio thing, even though the camera is obviously there, Michael. Like, come on, like the phone is there. The tripod has been set up. Watch things oh, happening here. Yeah. Now, so what I didn't like about it was he gave the missus, basically, he starts to speak. Now, you know the way she's Argentinian and, like, just absolutely fab, but obviously this yeah. is a Spanish-speaking thing. So he started to speak in his Canadian Spanish, like, hola, um, you know, that kind of crack. And then she just jumped in with, like, an hola, and he digged her. So obviously they had said beforehand, look, I'm going to say, Michael's like, look, I'm going to say like, hola, I don't know, how do you say my name is Michael in Spanish? Oh, me, yeah. Sorry, I thought you were like doing them. Me amo. Michael. Me amo Michael. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Emma. So like, me amo <laughs> But because you made such a big thing out of it, when I accused you doing French in school, you were like, fuck off. <laughs> I did me Spanish, what? So that's when I like coming to you, my little, my little Espanol linguist. So he's yeah. like, me amo. And she, all she does is say, hola, right? Nice. And then his face just changes, like, completely. And he gives her a proper dig, like a proper I... elbow. <sighs> and you know what I really didn't like about it was she kept smiling. Like... You, you know the way now with Fred, if Fred or Shane gave you a dig, you'd be like, sorry, excuse me? But she was like, just kept on smiling, which I found really concerning. Actually, none of these yokes are live. No. Oh, this was live though, was it? Well, I presume, I don't know, you see, I don't know what it was for. Yeah, yeah I presumed it was alive because you wouldn't really put it out as it was as a pre-record. <laughs> but, <Yeah. laughs> like, surely not. But the fact that she, again. the fact that she didn't react and I just thought his reaction was so... It just seemed a bit, it seemed a bit nasty. It wasn't a playful take and it was basically like, shut the fuck up. We've rehearsed this, you stupid we, it, Yeah, in other words, I'm supposed to speak and then you come in with your effortless hola. Um, stupid line. <laughs> but no, I didn't like it guessing. at all. No, this is in Spanish speaking. <laughs> and <laughs> then he did, he did that thing where, you know, where a guy, and it really annoys me when a main acquaintance gets you in an owl headlock. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. I hate that shit. Well, I'm just thinking, there's, I know there's one person in particular who does it to you and it really winds you up. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you know me, not to name names, but yes, it does. Just, I just think an old headlock, it, it's not friendly. No, it's not. I tell you something that just winds me up completely. And even obviously now that I've moved past the stage of my life, it still winds me up. Do you know when teenage fellas see a girl or girls and they start jumping on each other and getting each other in a headlock? That has always wound me up to fuck. And even now as an older woman, if I see young fellas doing that, I actually want to start verbally abusing them. I want to start saying, do you think that's fucking impressing anyone, do you? Like a problem. Yeah. A bit of a, you know, a hand job or whatever. But still, you're getting a reluctance. But I'm sure, I presume. I presume. Might be a more enthusiastic one. You know what I mean? Yeah. I presume it's just a bit primal. It's like I'm yeah. getting him in a headlock, like I'm the alpha male kind of thing. But you're like, look, can you just pull up your pants? Go home, do your homework. Yeah, 
I know. Fuck's sake. Have fun. He, hit her, he gave her an L dig in the ribs. Yeah, it was a dig. But what oh, I was going to say, what I've heard about. It's crazy. Well, I don't know. It doesn't sound great. Anyway, I'll have to go and watch it. But I saw the articles and whatever. And I was like, come on, come on. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just didn't like it because of her reaction as well was like kind of it was very much carry on like she was kind of smiling and not reacting in any way, which suggests that she's used to these kind of like little outbursts. He just basically threw a bit of a tantrum and it's like, sorry, but she's a fluent Spanish speaker, Michael. So I'm sure the people want to hear from her. Yeah, I watched... Honest to God, I'd say six seconds of his interview on Graham Norton. And I was like, oh, please, can we stop these video link ups on that kind of show? Like, can we just can we just do the best of? Because no one gives a fuck anymore. It's just <laughs> too much. Carry on and all the rest. But it's just like, no. But I did, I I did laugh at his story, which you know he wheeled it out on the regular. The one about when how he discovered he could sing. Seems to me his family were all fishermen, and he was doing the fishing, and they were sitting in the car, and the mom and dad were there, and like the siblings, and they were yeah. singing along to a Christmas song. And you know, to me, everyone's singing along, and then he just kept singing, he was like, "Have yourself a very," and they were all turned around, like, "What the fuck?" And he does that very well. Oh, yeah. He has another story about a fan giving him a cuddly toy. And then when you press the cuddly toy, it says something. But it was one of these ones where you could record your own message. And the fan had said something like, I want you to fuck me too hard till I come or whatever. That was quite oh, funny. funny. So that's the kind of shit we should have been doing. We should have been whacking out those classic stories and just gone and done some fucking plays. Yeah, but I just... Are, do we scream theatre? <laughs> You've got the hair, folks. You've got Irish theatre star hair, if ever. Well, I definitely... I think I definitely get a small role in a John B. Keane play. Defo! I'm yeah. a city, let's be fair. Well, I mean, you're... I can't believe it hasn't happened. You're so fair city. <laughs> You're that saucy minx in the bistro. Um, Always pushing the boundaries. Yeah, yeah. I'm constantly. I'm already constantly in leopard print anyway. I mean, fuck's sake. Just give me the hoopy earrings. I'm done. I'm good to go. I just, I yeah. No, yeah. I can imagine a scene where I come in and I definitely be like the, I definitely be the frumpy man. And I'm there and I'm trying to make my marriage work. And my husband just makes some like joke to you. You're there in your leopard print oh, and you're and you're like, I'm the frumpy man. Yeah, I'm just I'm just uh, well that's just my role. Like that's just oh obviously. Oh my god, Judy, imagine imagine the cover of the Orchie Guide with the two of us on it. Oh my god, it's so funny with the arms folded. Yeah, back to back. Back to back. <laughs> and then like my husband, whoever some like just I don't know, like they're they're generally bald, aren't they, in Ferris City, like a husband. So, kind of plattery looking fucker. Yeah. yeah, so he's in the front and he makes some joke and you make a joke and I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, can I not talk to women anymore? And then I storm out with my coat. <laughs> and you, all your lines and the thing is you're, you're just constantly... 
exacerbated. So you're just making like oh noises and you're constantly There's no joy in me. No, you're constantly telling kids to go wash their hands and their face and you're lifting up children, but like the children <laughs> at this point are like fucking seven and they don't need to be lifted up anymore. But you know the way in soaps, there's always that tricky transition from actual child that just went to drama school, like class after or their their auntie ran the drama school and put them forward, but now they need the sex up version of them when they're coming into their teens. You know that awkward age? Yeah. And there's nothing, I always feel, I always really feel, it's kind of like the David Platt factor, where, like, you feel really bad because they're cute, they're young, they're adorable. But now it's like, oh, how, obviously we worked with you for years, like, you're basically part of this cast family. But unfortunately, we had high hopes for your face, but you're just not good looking enough, so we're going to have to let you go. Um, And He was one of the few that they ever survived. survived yeah which the is strange i know it, it's strange because like two siblings didn't survive they didn't make the cut at all but he did it's strange because there wasn't a lot of likability to david even as a young child i know that's probably cruel as a toddler the signs were there that it was just like he i didn't like him he was just a bit of a dick yeah 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 he was I mean, even now, I'm ashamed to say it, but if I if I met him as a person, I wouldn't warm to him purely because he is David Plash. I don't even watch. I haven't watched the show in like twelve years or something. But I still I know, just haven't watched Carrie for a long, long time. But I do. I I often thought that that must be so traumatic for a child actor because it's always, as you say, they are always cast aside just as they're hitting the puberty. So they're like, we'll just give them till puberty and see how the face turns out. And then it's like, no, sorry. See how the face turns out. And they're waiting to see if they're going to actually get boobs. I mean, if that had been me, with my little swollen nipples, I would have been out the door. Well, I also, I think I also would have been out the door because nobody wants to see a nine-year-old with a 36C chest on their screens. Like, nobody wants that. I know it's it's there's a tricky balance with the you know um, you're still in your cycling shorts (laughs) and you know what the sad thing is there's probably plenty of these child actors who have tried to come out and tell their story of how they were axed but no one gives a shit like we're saying it's very sad but we don't we don't care we're not going to buy the magazine oh but I'm not going (laughs) to click into the story no (laughs) But I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm saying it's sad because it seems like a human response, but that's where yeah. my interest ends. Yeah. You know, in the manual, how to be human, like number five, when child actors are rejected because of their face. Yeah. This is sad. I if it ever see. comes up in conversation, just throw it out there. This isn't a good thing. Speaking of the manual of how to be human, I told you this, but I saw a great, no, sorry, I saw a movie the other day where it was like someone had read that manual before they sat down to write it. Off the charts, Judy. 
Awful. What movie was it? I'm just thinking, you know, I always use that phrase in relation to it's going to just sound to our listeners, by the way, that I just hate all men who do comedy. Like, I don't, but just, (laughs) you know, that comedian that I do always say, it's like he's come down from outer space and read a manual on how to be human. I don't know, Julie. I mean, I'd say there's There's nothing behind the smile. Two and a half of them you don't hate and one of them you're having as a child so you actually can't hate him. Mwah, my baby. Um, but tell I'm me, what was the movie? So the movie was called Pushing Tin. Okay. And it was about... I know. It was about... Uh, sorry, it was starring John Cusack, Billy Bob Thornton and Angelina oh, Yeah. Great cast. Here we fucking go again. And it was about air traffic controllers. Okay. I think there's a reason why there hasn't been a movie up to this point about air traffic controllers. So 1991, right? Me and Shane are going to watch a film and he throws up a few on the screen. He's like, okay, go on, take your pick. And I chose this fucking movie, right? That's the worst thing. So basically, do you know the whole shtick about John Cusack is that he's got the charming thing. So it's not quite lad in the hand. It's more just like gently stroking it or cupping the balls, okay? I would put himself and Ed Norton in the same category. What, in terms of ball cupping or? I think, yeah, just a slight, like a bit of, a bit of scrotum, a bit of, a bit of scrotum stroking. Would it be? Would it, would it be more digit up the rectum? Would it be more that kind of vibe? It's a different no, vibe. I, I mean, I would, like, I mean, obviously Ed Norton has, you know, there's a lot more. The anus, isn't it? What did you say? He's, uh, uh, Norton would be more digit up the anus, wouldn't he? Digit up the anus? Like, as in you yeah. put a finger up his arse? <laughs> I'm not saying I would put a finger up his arse. I'm saying the vibe he gives up is that he possibly has one of his own digits up his anus. Oh, oh, I don't know what I get that vibe. Give me another person who gives you that vibe. Like he's got a finger up his own arse. Um, who else has, seems like they have a finger up their own arse. Let me see, because it's a different vibe to the, the penis in the hand. Um, no, not George Clooney. Um, like, is this? Are you talking about somebody who's mad for themselves? Is that where you're going no, with this? There's more subtlety to it. Okay, like quietly no, confident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that kind of vibe, but still quite a fan of themselves. But sound, but still, still sounds so negative when we're saying quietly confident equates <laughs> with putting a finger up your own rectum. Yeah, I mean, Matt Damon, I don't think he, he would have a finger up there, but he may have a finger resting on a crevice in that area. Okay. Yeah, okay. I see where you're going with this. So John Cusick then, you were saying, does he fall into that category as well? Like just a no. finger? No, no, no. He's more, uh, I would say, lightly cupping a ball sack. Okay, and would you find that, like, you know, you find that maybe more, are you more, more amenable to that, more palatable? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but in this movie, Pushing Tin, it is off 
the charts, the I'm the charming guy, all these air traffic controllers. I mean, the, the major problem with the movie is there's no likable, there's no people with any redeeming qualities as human beings from the get-go. That's made clear. It's almost as if they're really pushing this fact. And then one scene where, there's many scenes, there's many scenes, but one scene where Billy Bob Thornton, he comes to join the team, okay? And they're all in the bar afterwards. So like, you know, there's one woman in the team and they're all men and they all have like families and kids, but they go out after and drink after every shift because it's so stressful for them. And then John Cusack's wife is asking him, do you think if it's a, it's a good idea if I do this little art class on a Thursday evening? Do you know what I mean? So anyway, they're all in the bar after work. And, and is Billy John supportive of the art class? He Well, he is, but he's just gotten a ride and he's made her late for uh, an appointment with their son's teacher about his attention uh, problems. Okay, yeah. But the important thing is John got the right. That's the main thing. Yeah, yeah, no, John got the right. Now, he did offer to come to the meeting with her, but she said no. But at the same time, he he had started to kind of unbutton his jeans at this point. You know what I mean? And then obviously we all know if you're going to want them to do anything after the fact, it's utterly pointless. So anyway, they're all in the bar after work and they have some sort of thing to see who will pay for the round. You know, the way in Irish culture, we don't do this. You just take your turn at paying the round. But it seems to be a thing in American movies. Who's going to, because I assume maybe there's only one round or something. I don't know. Everyone in Ireland just gets their round and it's already sorted. But anyway, what they do to see who will have to pay the round is they light a match. And okay. Left, yeah, I know. Whoever lets go of the match. I'm still here. I've just actually gone off and I've just started doing a few bits around the house. (laughs) So, right, they light, they all light a match. They take their finger out of their rectum (laughs) and they they see what happens. Easy. They light a match, right? And the the first person to let go of the match because it's too hot or whatever has to get the round in. So somebody's already let go of the match and I say, like, oh, God damn it. But John Cusack and Billy Bob Thornton size up to each other and hold their matches, even though it's been decided because this is a display of their masculinity for some reason. This is the equivalent of the teenage headlock, isn't it really? Yes. And uh, John Cusack has to end up letting his go because it's burning his fingers. And then Billy Bob lets go of his, but nothing's wrong with him. But swallows it because it's Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah, he shoves shoves his finger up his anus. But then Billy Bob goes, uh, I better better shoot off or whatever. I assume to get skin grafts on his hand. Anyway... (laughs) goes and I was like what the fuck is this so John Cusack is so pissed off about this match incident that he goes and sleeps with Billy Bob Thornton's wife Angelina Jolie in the movie as well now Angelina is meant to be 19 in this movie and her main the main things that she has to do in this movie is sleep with John Cusack and let her nipples hang out after for no apparent reason whatsoever and she spends an awful lot of time just gyrating up 
on Billy Bob Thornton. Like Billy Bob Thornton's. They well, have... now to be fair, I would say Angelina wrote that into the script. Well, yeah, possibly. Because yeah. they were, Jesus, they were just talking about dry riding. My God, do you remember them on the red carpet? They were mad for each other. And they were mad for each other, but at least Billy Bob seemed to react, but he stayed in character in the movie. Okay, okay. So he didn't yeah. react. Oh. He just stands there steely while, while she's gyrating up on top of him. Who like else a bit does? of a Robin, Robin Thicke, Miney Cyrus scenario. Big style. And Angelina Jolie's character has a massive drink problem because she goes to the supermarket and gets three bottles of vodka. I hate, you know, I always find that, you know, and I guess because the lines of alcoholism are so blurred in this country, but like in America, when someone's an alcoholic, they're always going off and they're drinking three bottles of vodka straight. <laughs> I know. Like, if you're going to do it, do it properly. Do you know what I mean? I just feel it's, 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 it's always like next level alcoholism in these American movies. But I mean, I can understand Okay, so now we understand why she slept with John Cusick. Yeah, but then you see... She's an alcoholic, okay. Lots of other stuff happens without anything happening at all. And then John Cusack, it all starts to kind of get to him. And you know it's a problem because what happens is he's at home drinking, but he's drinking out of a bottle that's in a paper bag. They always do this with the brown paper bag. Oh, but that's when you know it's problem drinking. Yeah, it's, it's leaving it's Las Vegas, Nicolas Cage stuff. <laughs> he's uh, eating takeout and he's drinking out of uh, bottles that are still in the brown paper bag. Yeah, I think that was what, yeah, do you remember in Mad Men, they were all constantly on the lash, but because they were using decanters, nobody questioned the dependency whatsoever. But as you say, the brown paper bag is just a dead giveaway. Yeah, so then you're like, oh no, he's in trouble or whatever. Honestly, it is, oh, I would say in the top, 20 of bad movies I've seen. But but sorry, what is the plot? Like, what was is it just that he sleeps with the wife? Oh, and then what Billy Bob Thornton does, he actually takes it very well. Angelina Jolie ends up having to tell him. He takes it very well, but it becomes clear that his plan then is to sleep with John Cusack's wife. He's okay. Like, well, uh, yes, just, okay. And that he, makes sense. He woos her by basically lending her tapes of how to learn French. Oh, it's, the, it's the language of love. Yeah. And then Kate's dad dies. And Who's Kate? Uh, John Cusick's wife? Yeah, Kate Blanchett. He asks her. In oh, my. Hang uh, on a minute. <laughs> you're only mentioned 20 minutes into the podcast. You're now mentioning that Kate Blanchett. With John Cusick's life. And it's so badly cast. It's unreal. Like, she's, like, wearing all these rings and she's got the hoops and she's kind of like some sort of dolly bird and she's all nervous and stuff. And she's a complete doormat. It's ridiculous. And they're all just directing planes during the day. They're all directing planes. And then the big moment is... Kate Blanchett's on a flight with her kids. We don't see the kids. And the pilot calls her in. 
like, sorry, ma'am, the pilot wants to see you. And she's like, the pilot? What could this be? And John Cusack's on the radio saying, I'm not going to direct this plane to the airport until you tell me you're willing to give it another go. Right. Okay. I mean, it seems slight. It, do you know what? It screams fathers for justice, doesn't it, really? Well, I mean, like, no, nobody's disputing that you might have a legitimate concern. Yeah. This is too, too much. No, it's three strikes and you're out in this job. But he's using this as his opportunity. Like, I'm not going to land this plane until you tell me you're going to take me back. Okay. And Kate's response is? Uh, very nervous. And then eventually, and then there's some... Uh, Can I just say, I'm surprised that Kate Blanchett signed up to a movie where she, it sounds like she's just playing 90, a bit of a silly. Yeah, but it's 91, so... Okay. It's yeah. uh, Kate doesn't want to do it, in fairness to her, but then other people in the cockpit start piping and says, it sounds like he really needs you. Yes, yeah, that old chestnut. He must. Well, sure, we said that at the time of the OJ Simpson trial, when it was clear that he had murdered his wife, we were like, God, he must have really loved her. <laughs> so he really needs, you know, oh, well, better go back. So, uh, yeah, she, she gets back with him. But, like, uh, it's so bad. And what happens, she... Binny, Bob, and Angelina? Does Angelina get help? She doesn't, Nana, she doesn't get help, Judy, but what happens is they move out of New York then. They they go off and move somewhere else and Billy Bob goes... Fresh to, start. Yeah, yeah, fresh start. Um, now, I said to Shane, I said, Jesus Christ, that was one of the worst films I've ever seen. And he was like, it was no worse than Mermaids. Oh, uh, no, Shane, sorry. Okay, so obviously the separation's going to happen now. Shane's been on thin ice for a while. But the I, fact that he would equate that with mermaids is just unforgivable. Yeah, and then Ella's like, yeah, she was like, she starts piping up then, backing him up. She's like, yeah, what was the story? The 20-year-old being with a 12-year-old. I was like, they were different times. And she like, yeah, I mean, sorry, but we all... Sorry, what? You know what I mean? Well, look, we've said that again, coming back to, I know we've referenced it before, but like or Kelly and Aaliyah, when they were like, look, we'll have to fake her age so we can get married. Again, we were all like, imagine a man loving you that much. Wow. Like, because we would have been in junior search or whatever around Aaliyah's age. Yeah. So we were just so envious of it all. Obviously, we all had some kind of Stockholm syndrome. And now we realize that these situations were all wrong. But I feel that Mermaid still has a bit of merit. It does. And she said, oh, made for very awkward viewing. But she well, didn't have ten. But it, I just really enjoyed, I just really enjoyed Winona and Cher's dynamic. Yeah. And then Dan, there was no, look, I ha, I'm going to say. And the that, lesson about the bathtub, that's like pure yeah. health and safety right there. In pushing tin. There is no scenes of anyone dancing in the kitchen, having a little dance, making sandwiches. There is no uh, soundtrack to kind of distract you from holes in the plot or anything like that. Well, there is yeah. to distract you away from how shit this film is. Yeah. And that's and such a problem for me. I, I like music. I need some upbeat numbers to distract me away. 
And sure, look, there was great music in Mermaids. This is it. Yeah. And you're right, there was a sandwich sequence, which we have said before, is there a sandwich sequence? Tick, we're in. Yeah, that's all I need. So pushing tin, that was... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> nice. The Irish movie. And then yesterday was Sunday. I went to bed at about eight o'clock, announcing that I was absolutely exhausted. And then I just sat in bed for about four hours on my fucking phone. But, ah, but, she, but there's, yeah, but it's psychologically jaded. Do you know what I mean? But I think that even if you're not asleep, I think just sitting up in your bed, watching Long something time. or reading or whatever, it's restful. Yeah. You need that time. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, because I do feel like in my own company. You know what I mean? Ah, uh, yeah. Love uh, loving the own company. I think that... Uh, I think got Burger that... King on a Friday. Oh, did you? Oh, amazing. Yeah. Bacon, cheese, fries and caramel fucking Sunday. How'd you like oh, that? I didn't even I didn't know they did Sundays and Burger King. This is a revelation. <laughs> Neither did I, because obviously we all missed them from Mackie D's, but they're in Burger King. Well, yeah. Supermax Fred was positively erect when he heard that Supermax yes. are opening again. Yeah. And Delira. Fucking delighted. And then I went and I clicked into the ones that were open. O'Connell's. Not all of them. And yeah, that's no, it. yeah, and it's all no. outside of Dublin, like really looking after their own on that front. Because there's one up by me that is just beside the M50, a drive through, and I was like, that defo be open. No, no, Julie. Yeah, they're doing it incrementally. I well, we were quite devastated because we had driven up um for my appointment in the Coombe the day they announced Supermax were opening but we were two days too early for the L Supermax which is unfortunate but it's funny because I thought I was going to be getting an internal exam so I went in because my mother had warned me the night before um I told you I said they don't go near you yeah well I said I said to mama at the appointment tomorrow she's like just you know he'll probably do an internal exam so I knew exactly what she was getting at uh, got our old friend, old reliable, our deals disposable razor purchased around Halloween 2019, still going strong, trimmed the hedgerows, went into the appointment, immediately started to strip off. And the man was like, please stop. It's not that kind of appointment. And it was funny because I'd also bought him a box of chocolates. So I think he was really like, oh, my God, what the hell's going on here? But then he did such <laughs> Of getting people presents and saying thank you profusely for stuff that doesn't need No, I, I have to stop because even my GP was so nice when I announced the pregnancy and she um, but but she'd been there on the journey. So you know she was and she's like a peer, she's our age, she's really cool. And I said to Mom, I have to get her like a box of chocolates. Mom was like, pin me to what was like this has to stop. Like people are just doing their jobs, Julie. Stop it. But anyway, so he was a bit freaked out because I had started to strip off and he's like, please put your clothes back on because that's not happening. But then I had the last laugh because he was like, well, just a quick look at the baby. And I was wearing a jumpsuit. So I was like, well, sorry, but we're getting naked here because I'm wearing a jumpsuit. 
So he was very unnerved by the whole thing, but he really was lovely. And yes, there you go. Ah, lovely. Yeah. Um, And you're happy and delighted and excited with everything. Oh, but you know me, I'm always thinking every week. I'm like, oh, like even when they showed me the baby, I was just so surprised it was still there. I couldn't believe it. And like, we had the little heartbeat. Yeah, of course. Like, you, like obviously, because I'd say like you'd be super anxious. And then I think, did I say that in the last episode, how the midwife rang and was talking to us about the hydro? Or she was talking to us about yes. the hypno. Well, she was talking to me about the hypno birthing. Yeah. And then how, you know, we, Fred announced, I thought it was a water birth. And Fred then was like, obviously thought the same thing. Because he was like, oh, yeah, great. Because I'm a qualified lifeguard. So I think just not having the knowledge maybe made me a little bit more anxious. Because I was like, Jesus, do we know what we're doing here at all? But no, it was great to see the bab, a lovely little round head, all of that. So the doctor couldn't get me out there fast enough. And then I did get a really handy little pack, obviously, with the things you need for the birth and all that crap. But I had to laugh because the last item for baby, they've written down a biro. What the hell is the baby doing with the biro? Just taking a few notes. If you don't give the baby the biro, you'll never know. I also mentioned on my Instagram the other day, this week we've decided, in this house anyway, can't speak for everyone's home, but we've decided that we will now only be referring to family-sized bars as bars. That's all they are now. They're just a regular bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's kind of probably needed somebody to just say it. Just somebody just say it so we can all just say it. I am the voice of a generation. Do you know what I did? I, I, we won't do the whole like just talking the listener to what we watch because that was very funny now talking about pushing tin. But what I'm about to say isn't funny. It's just a uh, kind of a, a general statement. I have started to watch Girls, which I never watched before. What's Girls? You know what, Lena Dunham? Oh, is it yeah. any good? Oh, it um, is. A- It is good. I guess the thing is, is that what I do think is interesting about it is that the characters aren't necessarily likable, which I find in and of itself very interesting. Because, you know, the way women generally are depicted as like just really nice, like really like, hey, I'm just going to. It has to be dimensional, doesn't it? It has to be kind of damsel in distress, like clumsy fuck who just keeps falling everywhere. Yeah. Bitch wagon. So exactly. So what I do like is is that the characters aren't necessarily very likable. But like they're very. I hate to use this term, and I, you know, I don't want people to think I'm being derogatory here. But it is very quintessentially millennial. Do you know what I mean? Like it's very much yeah. like talk, a bit navel gazing, a bit self indulgent. But actually, what I like about it is is that the characters all acknowledge that that's exactly the type of person they are, which is kind of refreshing. Oh yeah, you see, like I don't mind, I don't mind characters that aren't likable, but like it's nice to throw in the odd redeeming quality. Do you know what I mean? For some, ah, yeah, and oh, they're not like you know, you wouldn't say. I mean, there is, there's certainly redeeming qualities there. I mean, there would have to be, otherwise you probably lose interest immediately. But like even, yeah. even I find the male characters because you know when you think back, remember Sex in the City when you think about it. Uh-huh. Julie, it's on at the moment, does not age well at all. I was going to say, wouldn't age well. But aside from the fact that obviously, you know, women are depicted as, 
you know, we've talked about it before that you forgave a multitude of sins because somebody has bought you a walk-in closet. Like, even though they've stood you up at the altar, they've essentially ruined your life. You're like, all is forgiven. It's just so pandering to stereotype that, you know, they have like this insane fetish for shoes and, you know, they'll buy a pair of shoes without thinking about how they're going to pay their fucking rent. Like, all this (laughs) kind of mad stuff, which is totally not, it is not reflective. And I have said this before, I have such issue with this Bridget Jones thing of these fucking professional women who are depicted as completely silly and just waiting for a man to come along and sort out their life and then the men in Sex and the City when you think about it they were just very I mean they were very one dimensional weren't they yeah yeah they were the bad guy that she had great sex with the good guy that bores you to tears the gay best friend like there was no depth to any of these people it was, yeah, like I saw a bit of an episode there the other day. It was on the telly. And Samantha's just like a screaming toddler or something. I can't, it's just like insane. Oh, just the whole fucking thing was just. Yeah. Well, I mean, the whole I thing of like. That, like, I would have been fairly young. And yes. even still, I would have been like, oh, sure, look, they're all, you know, mad bitches. But I suppose it's now that, like, you're probably meant to be the same age as some of these people. You're just like, what the... You realise how ridiculous it is. I know. I know. It's just... And it's just, and like, you know... I'm about to be ridiculous, but it just... The whole fucking tone of it doesn't age particularly well, like... Well, I I really enjoy doing my Carrie oppressions every now and again to Fred, where I, you know, pretend to smoke a cigarette and stare outside the window, and I thought... And I thought to myself, what was isolation? Yeah, I think it's just the whole thing that all four of them, in different ways, but all four of them, their confidence seems to be, <coughs> sorry, purely based on the relationship that they're in. But it's it, but it it completely revolves around men. That's yeah. like even the way like I like I, it's been a long time since I watched it. But the last time I watched an old episode, the conversations are all about men. Yeah, and even Charlotte, which is like, not reflective of you know, as women, there's so much other shit you talk about. But all I they know. talked about over the fucking margaritas or the cosmopolitans, it wasn't a cosmopolitan. Is that the fucking drink? But all they <laughs> talked about was fucking men. I know and even they all poo poo Charlotte when she's like coming out with these things like oh about wanting to be married and have a family and whatever and they're all like poo poo Charlotte but they all think the exact same thing they're all like I need to have somebody in my life uh, or I'm a fucking failure they're all the exact same like look at fucking Carrie I just I couldn't be watching it now Um, did you see Kim Jong-un might be dead did you see that I did see that, yeah. But does he exist? And they Is think real? the sister might take over. And I used to laugh because I had this conversation with my dad. Yeah. Well, she's basically, you know, she is kind of, they were saying that she has been kind of primed to be the next Supreme Leader because she is like his confidant. And they were in school in Switzerland together, just the two of them. So they got really close there and all that kind of crack. But I said to dad about the sister and he's like, oh yeah, well sure, hopefully now she might be a bit nicer. And I was like, no, just because she's a woman, dad, does not mean she's any less of a despot. (sighs) Oh, 
my god the sister I haven't seen what's the sister like I haven't seen images uh, of her well I saw one photo of her and yeah I mean she looked like someone who would be like okay sorry can I just speak to your manager that kind of vibe I, uh, yeah okay ah uh, yeah sure why not Yes, yeah, so look, there you go. And I don't think anything else is happening in the world. Donald Trump, of course, telling people to drink bleach. Um, well, like, honestly, like, honest, did he just have, was that mid-stroke? I think there's been a lot of strokes. I mean, I was saying, I was saying, if you look at American politics, between himself, Joe Biden, like I'd say they had to inform Joe Biden about five times that Bernie Sanders had left the race because he's really not playing with the full deck at all. It's like, it's like... It must have been so nice for Joe because each time he experienced the same level of delight as he was informed, no, Joe, you're the candidate. It's like it's Krang and whatever his buddy was called in The Simpsons. Yeah, it's very strange. I do. You wonder. I know, like, I know politicians, you know, for the most part, they're, they're kind of strange people. Do you know what I mean? But it's just off the charts. Like, it's just something's wrong. Like, there's. Yeah, something is definitely amiss. Well, you wonder, like, sometimes I think, is he just saying it just to see how far he can go with this shite? Or has he got... Like, can anyone be this crazy? I don't know. Is it like, is he saying this because he's something else really bad that he wants to say in two days, but hopefully they'll all be distracted with this shit show? I just, I really don't know. It's just, it's real... I don't know. Well, the worst part, I suppose, with the whole Trump thing was I read an article that I think some like 25 people in New York State had injected themselves with bleach. So I feel like they're the people we need to talk about. Oh, it's just. This is, and this is going on for a while, like. Yeah. I'm already getting ready for, like, you know. The big rave that's coming. <laughs> I know. Well, we've we've discussed that. Like even as recently as yesterday, someone was saying, "Oh, sure, look, we only have two weeks to go." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" I think people think that there's going to be with the last little bit of money left that come May fifth, there's going to be some like national festival that's going to go on for like six days, and we're all just going to be off our heads. Yeah, well, I mean, they've probably gotten whiff of your garden party, Emma. Oh. You and your Bluetooth speaker. (laughs) I tell you, all the neighbours that complained about them are missing them now for them to do. I love your neighbour worries. Between the dog licence and, you know, people reporting you for your raids. The people who are slashing my tires. None of this happened. Oh, the tires, the owl tires. Anyway, I better go. You know, we have a little cat here that we've adopted. So I'm just we're gonna go into town now and get her a flea cutter. Oh lovely. I love she's cat. really cute. And you know what? She's a real like little like she's a real affectionate little cat. She's great. Oh that makes me jealous. 
Yeah, no, I think she could be blind. I think she could be blind, but I, because her eyes are a bit dodge, but she's very, very cute. Molly's her name, Um, but she used to belong to a guy down the road who died. So she's kind of just, she's a bit of a nomad at the moment. So she's delighted with us because she sleeps on the couch in the kitchen during the night. And hilariously, <laughs> I had a bit, I'd say a bit of, I'd say I had a bit of a stroke myself last night when I said this to Fred, because I like to leave a light on for her. And then I said, no, I just, I'd like to, I'd like to leave a light on because I just don't like her being in the dark. And then Fred was like, don't be silly. Were you singing that song? No, I wasn't. But Fred then reminded me, sure, cats can see in the dark. And I was like, I don't know, is that true? I was like, I'd prefer just to leave a light on for like the poor thing. I think she is blind. And Fred was like, well, then it doesn't make a fucking difference, Julie, if we leave the light. (laughs) Don't let this... Don't let this cat come between you guys. Uh, I don't. Yeah, their their vision's very good in the dark. I know their vision is. Uh, I think I think she could be blind good. though. I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but I think she could be. But no. So we're gonna go off. We're gonna yeah. get her a flea. Get her to play uh, a little bit of Stevie Wonder and see how she reacts to it. Does she react very the way a normal cat would? to be kind of emotionally charged by listening to the music don't even remind me of that concert I found that whole thing just upsetting this poor man <laughs> being wheeled out so glad I didn't pay whatever the fuck it was and to everyone around him this rake of people singing Stevie Wonder and like this poor man is just sitting there and I think like three days later he was having serious surgery and you were in a drink Rina's I was having no I was having a few I was having a few oh, that was bro. the day I had been down an athlete do you remember oh, yeah I've been down an athlete doing a thing um for the was it the Ray Darcy show and Mundy was down there and I made some joke about Fred and his chat I made some joke about Fred and his when he was doing Dancing with the Stars and the local Chinese had actually rang him just to see was he okay because um, I hadn't heard from him in so long. And Ray was like, right, wow, God, that's amazing. Like, serious customer service there. And I felt so oh bad. God. I hate when they do this on radio. And you know what, Emma? The problem is not that... Yeah, the problem is not them. The problem is me. Because I am always saying things on radio and television. Not that I'm on them that often. And it's taken at face value. It must be my face. And it completely changes I, I, the mood of the whole conversation. I'm in that situation. I go into this fixed glare where I just stare the shit out of them and make a big smiley grin face and start nodding so that they know at the end of the sentence it was a punchline and they can laugh. And still, I find it does help. But still, yeah. Well, it was funny because I Mon Monty was on the boat because we were on a boat um, in Offaly because that's what you do when you're in Offaly. But Monty had a good laugh at it anyway, my little joke. And then I met him a few weeks later and he made a joke about Fred and the Chinese. And again, we all laughed along. And then it's it's kind of this running thing now that any time I meet him, he makes a joke about the Chinese. And you're like, I love the fact that we have this little thread just keeping our relationship going. Was this when you were thinking about because you were so thankful of the little lifeline that he threw that he were you 
you were contemplating running away with Mundy or something, weren't you? No, I wasn't <laughs> contemplating running away, but I did. And Fred knows this, by the way, because we all have our celebrity crushes. But as a youngster, Mundy was my celebrity crush. Mad for him. So even when we were discussing the other day, our imaginary wedding day, myself and Fred, and the way Fred's really into the, I don't think he's as into the marriage side of things, but he's really into the idea of getting a band in for the day. So oh, we yeah. were discussing, like, if we ever got married and we were throwing out some days. And I was like, I'd really like Monday. He was like, we'd have to have Monday for you. <laughs> Which I just think is a bit ridiculous. But you know the way it's just when you're a teenager and you fancy someone, you always have that little, that I, little grow. But think about it, though. If you were getting, if you were getting married and you were like, it was at the point in the evening where you'd done all your thank yous and hellos. You did all your pictures. You were well on the sauce now. And Monday, you see Monday rocking in, setting up. Do la 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 la. <laughs> and he loved my joke you about the Chinese. And go for a bop on the dance floor. He brings sure. it up every time we meet. He doesn't have to do that. Oh my God, are you having an affair at Monday? No, I'm not. I have to tell you a story about someone we know messaged me the other day and they were telling me about how they'd contacted somebody. They had like outright, totally truthful. It said they contacted somebody because they were totally fucking bored. Uh, you know, to see if there's a I bit of... I think I know who this person is. Do I? <laughs> see if they were up for a little flirt. And then they said something fairly innocent and they were just like, no. <laughs> I was like, you started it you started the conversation so this kind of thing of like you so know, funny I think sometimes back I'll go fuck yourself you stupid fuck yeah I think how dare you how dare you <laughs> I always used to I used to always have a bit of fun with that because like this guy used to be kind of shifting down in Dingle now I'd be a devil for you text him and I don't know like maybe midnight what are you up to and he'd say I'm in bed I'm like you fucking sick bastard I know. If they didn't But text you're texting someone at midnight. Okay. So everyone's yeah. in bed. But I'm like, no, you're I te- a fucking I sicko. Text him at 12, text back at half one. He can go fuck himself now. Thanks very much. Well, for me, I can only speak for single duty. I think a lot of it for me wasn't even the content of the conversation. Like in that instance now with that mystery person who texted this this guy, this gal, whoever. I think yeah. for me, the thrill was what I'd be flicking my bean off to there would be the fact that they responded. Yeah, yeah. That's all you needed, wasn't it? That's you. Yeah. Logging out. I am done. Thank you for your time. This is all I need. What a relief. Really needed that. Thank you. Goodbye. Yeah. Over and out. But you're not going to get anything else out of it. Really. No. That, that's all you can hope for. If, if Oh, actually, before we go, yeah. um, Celebrity Scandal this week. Do you know what one I thought we might do, actually? Now, do it's a bit... It's a bit niche. I'll see what you think about it in terms of, I think our American listener probably wouldn't be familiar with it. But what about Tulisa? Do you remember her big scandal? No. Tulisa, a few years ago, was... Tulisa. What's her name? I thought you were saying Tulisa. Tulisa. No, Tulisa from... Was it it Endubs? Endubs. Endubs, yeah. She was in Endubs and of course she was a judge yeah. on X Factor and she was yeah. famously, of course, a mentor to Little Mix and all that. But a few <laughs> years ago, she was involved in a sting 
with a tabloid newspaper and it was a massive deal because it turned into a drug sting and she was accused of setting up a drug deal. She was accused of setting up a cocaine deal. Yeah. Um, and it was actually massive at the time. So I just, it was just one that popped into my head. Would we do that? Yeah, let's do that. Sounds like will, we, will we explain to our listener where they can find this celebrity scandal? Yes, explain. Oh, I was just giving you the, the I was like, if you, if you, if you and I say, Charlie, explain. Um, so we're doing this Patreon thing, guys. It is three euro a month. By the way, the Patreon is our only source of income when it comes to the podcast. So we really do appreciate every penny that people have contributed so far. No hassle if you're stuck for cash at the moment. There's absolutely no pressure whatsoever. If you do have the three euro to spare, as I said, it's once a month, three euro, and you get four episodes. So one episode a week where we look at celebrity scandals. And that extra episode is available on our Patreon page because a few people did message us about that. So they're all on our Patreon patreon page and thus far we've done kim kardashian and the sex tape and we've done good old george michael george michael last week and this week we'll look at Toulouse. so you can check that out on our patreon if you have the three euro to spare and if not yeah. no worries i yeah. have been julie J. you don't you don't know worries but don't try to be slipping into me fucking dms if you're not giving me three euro a month okay <laughs> If you, if you don't have three euro a month, the other you know, day I thought you'd get a chuckle. You give them, you are you paying the three euro? Okay, because this is a business partnership. This is a relationship. Yeah. But like if you don't have a scrap and I'm here to help and it's good to talk, but don't be fucking slipping into my DMs. I think that I think that sums us up pretty well, Emma. And I will say if you don't if you're if you don't have the three euro and your mental health, but don't be slipping into my DMs. Yeah. Well, I was going to say an alternative could be, you know, and we have to ask people to do this for a while, but if you could rate and review us on iTunes, that would be amazing, actually, because we haven't asked people to do that for a long time. And it actually does make a big difference in terms of promoting the podcast. But you can just like three or a month. <laughs> that week, it's a month. Yeah. It's OK. It's, on that note. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you put it like that, um, how much is it a month? <laughs> okay, I've been Julie J. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.